Hear the word of the Lord. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abiah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless your word going forth in power, that it would not return unto you void, but accomplish all you set forth to do with it and prosper in the thing you send it forth to do. Heavenly Father, I'm but a man, completely, totally unqualified to stand before your people and proclaim your word. But I pray for your anointing this morning, and I ask that you would either speak through me or in spite of me, but in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to the glory of God the Father, speak now, we ask. In his name we pray, amen. Uh, I want to take a personal privilege. I try to recommend books to you when I have the privilege of the pulpit. If you have a pencil and you are a reader and you want to be blessed, there is a book called The Awe, A-W-E, The Awe of God, by John Bevere, like Revere with a B, Bevere. I highly recommend it. I encourage you to read it. It is a life-changing book. It will bless you. It will change your walk 
with the Lord. Now, to answer another question, depending on your background, you may ask, what is Advent? We, we lit the Advent candle this morning. We are in the period of Advent. Well, Advent celebrates a past event, the arrival of God's Son, Jesus Christ, and a future event, the second coming of Jesus Christ the Lord. So for the next four weeks, or this week and three more, we will be celebrating the advent, the past advent of Jesus, and the future advent of Jesus. Now, changing gears somewhat to address the scripture that we have read and we will read again as we go through it. I want to give you a little background. I don't expect you to remember these dates. That's, that's not what this is about. But it will give you a bit of an idea of the history of Israel in a concise form. The children of Israel were under Egyptian bondage for approximately, these are approximate dates now, for approximately 400 years. When God through Moses delivered this chosen people around 1446 B.C. He then kept them in the desert for 40 more years because they refused to obey God's command to advance into the promised land. But the next generation did obey and they did enter in. 600 more years later, Solomon built the first temple in 827 B.C. 400 years after that, Solomon's temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar in 425 B.C. After a few more pagan kings were over Israel, finally Nehemiah was sent to rebuild the temple and Israel returned to the promised land. Now, add 100 more years before Alexander the Great conquers the Jews along with almost everyone else in the area. Then the Maccabeans ruled until 63 B.C. See, we're getting closer to the time of Luke chapter 1. Rome conquered them. And then Herod the Great, who was so crooked that he had to screw his socks on, <laughs> built what is now called Herod's Temple in 63, uh, well, I'm sorry, not in 63, in 20 B.C., in 20 B.C., and it was only finished right before Jesus' birth. So the temple is still at the final stages of construction when we pick up this story in Luke. Uh, I, I felt it's important to get that historical concept there and that context. But I will tell you something else that but may, maybe is just as important, if not more so. The Ark of the Covenant, covenant the most holy object in all of Israel ever in the history of Israel, which originally occupied the Holy of Holies in the temple, actually in the tabernacle first and later the temple, went missing in 586 B.C. and has never been located. Almost 600 years before Jesus was born, the, the Ark of the Covenant is somewhere else. It's not in the temple. You need to know that. During the so-called 400 Silent years since the Older Testament, that's my term. I use Older and Newer Testament. The Older Testament, God gave no open prophecy 400 years since Malachi. 400 years. 
Imagine the Jews, God's chosen people, still relying on the Mosaic covenant of animal sacrifices to atone for sin while not hearing for God from God for 20 generations. No miracles, no angels, prophets or prophecy, no Holy Spirit empowering men to speak on God's behalf. And all of that is getting ready to change according to the reading today. One other thing you might want to know, it's a, it's a tidbit, it's not trivia, there's nothing in the Bible that's trivial, but the name Zechariah means God remembers. Zechariah means God remembers. And he was married to a lady named Elizabeth, which means his oath. So together, God remembers his oath. God remembers his oath to David made in Psalm 89, 35, once for all, I have sworn in my holiness, I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever. His throne is long as the sun before me, saith the Lord. God is now sending his son in the fullness of time, Jesus the Christ, in the lineage of David. But before he sends Jesus, he sends John. Not to equate the two. But John was a cousin, a distant cousin, and you will find that out later on. So let's pick up in verse 5. In the days of Herod, that's Herod the Great, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abiah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth were both descended from the tribe of Aaron, so he, you could say he was double-dipped, so to speak, but... Uh, uh, he only, because of he was a male and she was a female, he only could be in the priesthood, and he was. He was qualified by blood and gender. Verse 6, and they were both, notice this, when God calls you righteous, can you write it down that you're righteous? And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but, and this is a very important but, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Both were advanced in years. Uh, husbands, don't tell your wife she's well advanced in years. She won't accept that very kindly. Zechariah and Elizabeth are old, and he has been a priest all his adult life. This incense burning that he will do would have been the only time he would have ever had this honor in his life since there were approximately 20,000 priests in, in Jerusalem at that time. Yet do we not find it fascinating and somewhat perplexing that having lived their lives in obedience to God's laws in such a way that God called them righteous and blameless, they had no children to grace their home. Despite frequent, fervent, and perpetual prayers for a child, which is, comes to the first point, which is holiness does not guarantee happiness. Now stay with me on this. You can have joy and not have happiness. There's an old saying, you may have heard it. Happiness depends on happenings. But joy depends on Jesus. You could have joy. And, and if, you, if you were allowed to choose one of the two, choose joy. 
because happiness is a fleeting experience. It's a fleeting emotion. It usually depends on, in some cases, getting what you think you want. But joy has to do with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The big difference. The Christ life, I want you to receive this, is never, is never, is never about personal benefit because of obedience to God, but about prioritizing our obedience to God's service regardless of personal benefit or the lack thereof. It's about obedience. Obedience. Expecting God to answer our prayers how we pray them, when we pray them, based on our performance rather than His holiness makes God our servant, not us His. I want to give you a quote. I don't, I don't do social media, so if y'all ever try to find me, you won't. Uh, but I want you to listen to a tweet on Twitter. I guess that's the only place you get a tweet. Addressed to God. Now, he, this, this person addressed this tweet to God, how he thought God would read the tweet. I have no idea. But he addressed it to God in all capital letters. Maybe you know him. NFL player Steve Johnson. He had dropped a pass in the game. And after the game, here's what he tweeted. All capitals, 16 exclamation points. I praise you 24-7, and this is how you do me? You expect me to learn from this? How? I'll never forget this ever. You say, who would write that? Well, he did. Steve's mindset, and if you're taking notes, write this down. It's not a scriptural term, but it's something you need to remember. Transactional theology. Transactional theology. I do for you, Lord. you got to do for me. I worship you. you got to help me. I, I give my money to you. you got to give me money. I... I I, I spend my time for you, you got to bless my time. I, uh, I labor for you, you got to bless my health, uh, and so on and so on. It's not scripture-based. It's not in there. It's not in there. You know, there's only two or three people in the Bible who are described in such glowing terms as this couple, and yet they didn't have the thing that they wanted most in life. God demands obedience rather than sacrifice. Jesus said in Luke 17, 10, So you also, speaking to his followers, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, quote, We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Does that thing seem a little thankless? No, it's not. It's actually, it's actually clarifying who is God and who's not. And let me clarify it this morning. God's God, you're not. Zechariah and Elizabeth accepted God's will despite their pain. And by faith, they obeyed God. Why? Because they walked in the holy fear of the Almighty. There's a lot more there I'd love to preach on this morning, but for time I can't. But we must also walk in the holy fear of God. Also, <clears throat> let me say something about prayer. 
Uh, Don and I took a trip not too long ago, and, and I, uh, while I was in this other state, I, I learned about a fellow I'd known for over 50 years. He had uh, godly uh, parents. I loved both of them. They were dear people. They were praying people. And yet he was as much of a hellion as I can describe. He would have made the top five on anybody's list of most likely never to be saved. I mean, he, he, was, he had some of the most self-destructive behavior which permeated to everyone around him. And yet his parents for all those years, for all those decades, prayed, Lord, save our son, save our son. Well, I was visiting up there and, and I, I talked to a friend of mine and I said, we're going to try to go to church with you all tonight, tomorrow night. And uh, he said, uh, well, did you hear about so-and-so? I said, no, what about him? He said, well, uh, he got saved here about a month ago. I said, you not only have made my day, you've made my week and my month. I said, glory to God in the highest heaven. The guy was approaching 80 years old, for heaven's sakes. And, uh, and he got in some real real difficulty and the reason I know that I was there during some of them but the warrants are still outstanding and I'm not going there <laughs> I was I was over he said well not only him so and so got saved I said ma'am my knees are buckling are you serious yeah and not only that so and so got saved I, hallelujah well glory you know, and like I've told you before, I'm Presbyterian or else I'd have danced, but I just danced from the waist up. <laughs> I just praised God. And I said, I'm going, I want to see him. Will he be there tomorrow night? And he said, I think he will. He was. I said, man, glory to God. You're so wonderful. Hallelujah. Wow. I, you know, and, and it reminded me, not just of him, but it reminded me of some other people that, if I pray for, it's one of those prayers like, well, I don't know if you're going to save this person or not, but I'm asking you to. God says, that's my business. You keep praying. You keep praying. As long as there's breath in your body, you keep praying. And one of the points I'm trying to make is his mother and his father, father died before he got saved, but their prayers were answered. Their prayers were answered. God's you can write this down. God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. I have so many stories I'd love to share with you, but I can't for time. But just understand that there are so many real-life situations out there where it looks like, well, I don't think God's going to answer this prayer, but God answers this prayer. And it's just wonderful how he does thing in, things in his time. His delays are not his denials. Neither was God indifferent to Zachariah and Elizabeth's heart's desire. God knew all along his incredible plan for them and their son John. Just as his plan for your life involves his perfect timing, we are to trust and obey. Verse 8, now while he was serving, Zechariah, was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. I want to explain that a little bit to you. The golden altar of incense stood before the veil separating the holy place from the holy of holies. 
By casting lots, the 24 divisions of Aaron's descendant priests would be chosen to serve which duties they would perform. Zechariah's assignment was to burn incense on the golden altar, altar excuse me, separated from the Holy of Holies by a thick veil. When, a, when a, another priest wearing a white robe and bare feet, unsandaled feet, to symbolize holiness, entered the temple carrying a sheep to sacrifice on the altar, which is, uh, if, if Zachariah's here, that other priest is out there. The assembled, notice this, this explains why, what they meant in that passage about the whole multitude of the people praying outside the hour of incense. When he walked in with the sheep, the worshipers that were present would temporarily exit the temple and gather in the court of Israel to pray silently. They were praying, but they were praying silently. And what they were doing, they were praying, and so when he offers the incense, uh, the, uh, figuratively, uh, the prayers of the people joined with the incense on the altar before the Lord. That's the concept. So once the lamb was offered through the evening sacrifice, that priest would ring a bell to signal Zechariah to offer incense. Hearing the bell, he then cast the incense on the fire, made intercessory prayer, bowed reverently, and backed away slowly. At that point, the people would re-enter the temple, offering prayers mingled with incense. Reverent, yes, but routine ritual, considering the ark was missing and God hadn't given an open word in centuries, yet this day an angel who we discover in verse 19 is Gabriel, the archangel, shows up. Look at verses 11 through 13. And there appeared to him, Zechariah, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. I want to make a clear clarification here of a misconception everyone in here has about that verse. We might easily and normally easily assume that Gabriel meant their prayer for a child was answered. That's not what he's talking about. First, it's more than probable that neither Zachariah nor Elizabeth had prayed for a child in years, perhaps decades. That ship had sailed. So what prayer did Gabriel refer to then? I'm going to read to you from uh, Ellicott's commentary, what it says about that one verse. That privilege of offering incense, symbolizing as it did the priestly work of presenting the prayers of the people and joining his own with them, was of all priestly acts the most distinctive. At such a moment, all, notice this, all the hopes of one who looked for the Christ as the consolation of Israel would gather themselves into one great intercession. Gabriel, sent from God, proclaims the corporate prayers of those seeking Christ the Messiah for 400 years have just been answered. Woo, that's good. That is so good. And, you know, it, it's almost like an aside. He says, oh, you know, almost, he doesn't, but it's almost like, oh, by the way, y'all going to have a child too. His name's John. Well, Zachariah's sitting there like, I have no concept of what's going on here. There's this big guy, and he's, he, I mean, he, what? A child? 
and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. God's delays are not God's denials. And just as Sarah, Abraham's wife, was past childbearing age when God gave him Isaac, even so are Zechariah and Elizabeth. Both were miracles and both were forerunners of Jesus the Christ because with God, nothing is impossible. Call his name John. Verse 14, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. 15, For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be, will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. John's the only person in Scripture to be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. That's incredible. And you know how you're going to see an indication of that? In, 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 a, in, in a few more verses a little further on, if you want to read ahead, when Mary shows up, Elizabeth is six months pregnant by this time, and when Mary walks in the door and says, Elizabeth, the babe leaps in her womb. Wow, that's so good. Elizabeth, I know you're Presbyterian, but you can amen, it's all right. <laughs> Elizabeth will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, but not until Mary, her cousin, and the expectant mother of Jesus shows up in Luke 141. But we're moving on. Verses 16 and 17. And he, John Baptist, will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him, the Lord their God, he will go before him, in the spirit and power of Elijah, not, he's not Elijah, he's going in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn their hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Even as Zechariah was chosen by God to offer incense, John is chosen by God to offer Jesus and be the forerunner of Jesus. Verse 17, and he will go before him. Him being Jesus of Nazareth, virgin-born Son of God, who will save his people from their estrangement from God the Father by willingly laying down his life on Calvary's cross and shedding his own blood to atone for their sins and our sins. Easy way to remember this. In Adam, all fail. In Christ, all are offered redemption. In Adam, we were estranged from God, in Jesus Christ, we are rejoined to God as sons and daughters. Oh, that's good. In Leviticus 16.4, God established the annual day of atonement for Israel's sins and said this, And this shall be a statute forever for you, that atonement may be made for the people of Israel once, once in the year, once in the year, because of all their sins. Once in the year, because of all their sins. Listen to what the crucified Jesus did on the cross as described in Hebrews 9, 12. He, Jesus, entered once for all, once for all time into the holy place. Not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. I had a fellow tell me one time years ago, said, he was talking to him. He's not a believer. And so we talked a little bit. And he said, oh, 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 oh I think I know. I, I, you, you're one of those that believe once saved, always saved. I said, no. Hmm. I believe always saved, always saved. I believe my name was written down in the book long, long ago. Amen. Glory to God. Now remember this. God last spoke 400 years before through Malachi. I'm going to read to you from Malachi chapter 4. Just listen. It's very similar to what Gabriel just re reinforced. 
Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he, talking about John Baptist, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. God keeps his promises in your life or in Zechariah's life. 18 and 19, and Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I'm not a low-ranking angel. Maybe you'd be impressed with a lower-ranking angel. I'm the big boy. I stand in the presence of the living God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. The word gospel means good news. You're hearing this morning the good news of God. Preparing the way for Jesus' arrival is the best news ever. Verse 20, And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Zechariah was a good and righteous man, but God's declaration through Gabriel was more than he could accept. The next time John will speak or be able to speak was at the birth of John. I'm sorry, Zechariah. The next time Zechariah speaks will be at the birth of John. Quick question, and we're, we all fall into this some. Don't we fall into giving rote service to God at times? you got to understand, Zechariah is saying, yeah, it's been 400 years. God hasn't spoken. I mean, we're going through the routine here, but you know, I'm going to offer the incense. They're going to kill the sheep, and the sheep was the most uh, upset person there. Uh, and so we're going to go through this ritual, and the people are going to pray, but you know, nobody's heard from God lately. And sometimes we treat our relationship with God like that in our church service. You know, we, 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 we memorize a lot of the hymns, and we, we're going through that, and the whole time we're saying, did I leave the stove on? Is the roast burning? I mean, uh, tomorrow I've got to do so-and-so. I need to remember to call so-and-so. While we're singing, great is thy faithfulness. Holy, holy, holy. But in our hearts, it's not holy, holy, holy. In our hearts, it's like my checklist, going down my checklist, going through the motions of worship, my heart's somewhere else. Just ask yourself this question real quick. If God shows up before I finish this sermon, if the presence of the Almighty comes into this place, will you be surprised or will you rejoice? Will, will your faith be strengthened or will you flee? That's an honest question. Am I expecting God to show up this morning? You better believe I am. I pray you are. God through Gabriel calls us back to genuine awe and fear of God who is worthy of all praise. If, if you have never trembled before Almighty God, then draw a little nearer and you will. You seek him with all your heart, you'll find him. Verse 21, and the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. Normally the burning of the incense took only a few minutes. Zechariah's delay caused those intending to re-enter the temple to wonder. You know who else, you know who was in that temple? I'm just throwing this out. You know who was in that temple that day? Anna and Simeon. How do you know? Go look it up. She was constantly and consistently worshiping the Lord in the temple. So was he. And they were both looking for Messiah. 
And when he came out, verse 22, he was unable to speak to them, and he realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. We're out of time, but I, I, I would... <laughs> I, I, there's parts of God's Word. Sometimes I, you read it, and it's like you just have to suppress a giggle sometimes. I mean, I mean, here Zechariah comes out, and everybody says, what? What happened? What? Something happened? He's going... Okay, you can't talk. Or you got laryngitis or something. <laughs> and it's like, what? You, you saw. And it's like, uh, an angel? <laughs> an angel. And, and did he say anything? What did he say? <laughs> I mean, if you think they didn't understand it, wait till he gets home. <laughs> and I said to her, Elizabeth, she said, what's wrong with you? What happened to that? <laughs> and, and did he say anything to you? <laughs> Dad's little perfume on said, come here, big boy. <laughs> because faith without works is dead. Amen. Verse 24 and 25, we're closing on this. What does is, what is Parker say? Let's land this plane. After these delays, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden. Five months. Saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me and to take away my reproach among people. Don't you listen carefully as we close. If you have surrendered to God's call in repentance and rebirth, the Lord, listen to me, it's not about your feelings. The Lord has taken away your reproach. The wrath of God was poured out on our Savior, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Where's the cross? It's gone. Okay. <laughs> well, there was one there. You know, that's, I'm sorry, I know we're out of time. But that's kind of like every time I'm sitting here and I hear the train whistle, I thought, I want to be there today. Parker saying, and the trumpet of the Lord will sound. And that, womp. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm waiting for that one. Elderly Elizabeth, five months pregnant, already knowing it will be a boy. Oh, joy. And even Zachariah's silence could not restrain his happiness and anticipation. Our son will be the forerunner of Messiah, calling all to repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And one thing to tell you, I'm going to close. Listen carefully. Don't, don't shut me off. I called Parker up when I got back from my trip. I said, Parker, wow, this guy got saved. He was this old. And I mean, this guy, we've been praying for him forever. He got saved, and this one got saved. And we're working on a couple more <laughs> through prayer. And uh, I said, it's just glorious. I said, not only that, the pastor of the church who, by the way, you would love him this morning because he preached for an hour and a half, and that was after everything else. <laughs> the pastor of the church said, in my lifetime, I have never seen so many people coming to Christ as I have seen in the last month. I told Parker that, and here's what Parker said. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we celebrate the second advent before the first? And I said, boy, wouldn't it be wonderful? And we may. We may, before we burn all four candles, Christ could be here.
we leave this happy couple as we consider the next advent of Jesus will be to deliver us from sin forever. God makes all things beautiful in his time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful, wonderful encouragement this morning. Your gospel is the good news. You sent us your son. You loved us that much. Your only begotten son. You sent him to us. And you didn't send him just to tell us about you. You sent him to die that we might live. Father, thank you for such an unspeakable gift. We praise your name. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Amen. I, uh, our final hymn is uh, 229. Let's just sing. <laughs> Diane was waiting for me to say this. <laughs> 